Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're joining us either in person or online. We've been in a series called Peace of Mind. It's about mental health. And today is a topic that will touch everyone. That's healing from trauma. And your, your initial response may be, no, that's not me. No, uh, once we define what trauma is, I think we will all agree that we've experienced it. So, Mike, start with the question, what is trauma? And sometimes we think the event is the trauma. Trauma is not an event. Events cause trauma. So here's my definition. It's a response. We respond to events. Can we bring that up? The response to a deeply disturbing or distressing event. We've all had disturbing or distressing events in our lives. It could be physical trauma. I got to thinking this week because I had a doctor's appointment and explaining stuff about my body. Well, I got a metal plate in my left leg because I got hit by a car in the first grade walking to the bus stop in February, had multiple surgeries on it, and missed the rest of school. I passed. The teacher came to my house. All right, that was a traumatic physical experience, right? I've broken a, a wrist. Um, you most of you have had some kind of physical ailment, uh, maybe been in an accident of some sort, um, a sports injury, something like that. That is tr physical trauma. Of course, there's mental trauma. And so when you go through um, some kind of mental abuse or somebody, uh, even I think uh, habitual worriers are <laughs> experiencing mental trauma. Of course, there's emotional trauma, and that's probably something we all can relate to, some kind of a emotional experience we've had. Probably the most, the easiest one to relate to is we probably all lost a loved one, right? Father-in-law, uh, a mother. Um, I lost my dad when I was 18. Um, we lost a future son-in-law last year. Um, even a, a loss of a pet. A cherished pet, when a pet dies, there's a grieving process. There's an emotional trauma from that experience. And of course, you can get into things like, like abuse or, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, habitual behaviors such as alcoholism, either yours or by someone close to you. All these can cause emotional trauma. And of course, there's spiritual trauma. We're going to look at a guy in the New Testament that experienced all these forms of trauma. Now, one thing interesting about non-visual wounds, because most of this trauma is non-visual, right? Other than the broken bones, is, and I'll put it on your outline, the wounds you cannot see, the emotional trauma, the mental trauma, etc. You can't see it, can hurt as much as the ones you can see, the broken bones. In fact, the other forms of trauma are more difficult because often they last longer. They can, I had, a broke, had different broken bones, eight weeks, they heal up, you're okay. Uh, people suffer for years, for decades, from emotional or mental types, type of trauma. So, how do we as spiritual people respond? Unfortunately, traditionally in the church, you might get a response like this. If you were willing or open enough to share that you're struggling in one of these areas, somebody might quote this verse, very powerful verse, very familiar verse. It's called Romans 8.28. It 
So, okay, I'm, I'm struggling with this, this, this uh, mental or emotional issue, and someone can say to you, well, you know, the Bible says this, right? And we know, or we're confident that, that this good God that we serve causes, he's all-powerful, he causes everything, which includes whatever trauma you have, right? Causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to purpose for them. Now, can you always control your emotions? Obviously, you can't, can we? And often when there's trauma, depending on the type of trauma, there can be guilt or shame involved, especially when it's a child that's been abused by, by an, uh, an older, older person. You, you can't control that. So I put on your outline something very important that those of us in the church community need to remember. This verse is always true, right? All these verses are always true. This verse is always true, but it's not always feel helpful, does it? In fact, it can feel like a put-down, right? You're not spiritual enough. Now, if you grew up when I did, some of you are my, my age, um, the way we dealt with trauma was get over it. All right? Suck it up. Be a man. You don't shouldn't be cry. You shouldn't cry and all this other stuff, right? Problem with that is this, and it's on your outline. You just don't get over trauma. I mean, physical trauma will heal normally, right? But you just don't get over trauma. But even physical trauma takes time to heal. And if physical trauma takes time to heal, certainly emotional and mental trauma does. Now, I'm not an expert, and I'm not going to deal with the clinical stuff, obviously. I'm going to deal with this from a spiritual perspective. And my goal is not to, you know, bring up, drudge up uh, bad memories. My goal is to help you heal. So, three types of trauma. <clears throat> Acute trauma is, re this was helpful to me anyway, is response from a one-time traumatic event, like breaking a bone or being in a car accident, or, you know, getting some kind of sports injury, or, you know, getting fired from work, uh, even the death of someone. They don't, you know, they don't die twice. The grieving process could be long. So that's acute trauma, one-time event, right? Second form of trauma is, bring it up, please. Chronic Trauma, they all sound bad, don't they? Acute and chronic. <laughs> chronic trauma is a long-term time res term response for a prolonged related event. So this would be like if you're being mentally abused or physically abused or sexually abused. Over time, repeatedly, this thing happens over again. Or if you're uh, addicted to alcohol or drugs or something, it's a repeated trauma over and over again. Especially difficult for uh, a child when the person that abuses them is somebody that should be protecting them. And hopefully none of you are in that situation or have been in that situation. Uh, so that's chronic trauma. And then there's complex trauma. Now, complex trauma is chronic trauma doubled or tripled, all right? It's a response to multiple and ongoing events. So this could be you're physically abused and mentally abused and, and or sexually abused all at the same time, not just one type of trauma, over a continual period of time. 
Now, the problem with trauma is this, and I put this on your outline. Trauma changes us, right? When you go through trauma, you're changed. I'm changed. That changes us how we see people, especially if you've been abused by someone. I remember we had a ministry to children's, uh, girls at a children's home, Sandmark. And some of you can remember way back when they came. And uh, if you talked about, to some of those girls, about God is your heavenly Father, that wasn't uh, appealing to them at all because some of them had abusive fathers. And so it changed the way they saw people. It changed the way they saw, in this particular example, to see God. And it also changes how you see your circumstances. Happy childhood. Not so happy childhood, whatever it might be. Now, sometimes we get in this, call it a trap, but uh, we tend to, especially in um, what's a, counseling, a group counseling session, uh, we can get, even if it's a you know, church small group where multiple people have suffered certain kind of trauma, we get to this area where we sometimes compare trauma. You had that happen to you? Well, I had this happen to me. Of course, that's never helpful. <laughs> Only way we can get healing is seek healing from God. So, how do we heal from trauma? Um, we're going to look at a guy named Paul in the New Testament. It's interesting, we've been doing this series looking at Scripture with the mental health perspective, especially this one, uh, Paul that we're going to look at this morning. Now, most of you probably know, but Paul was this religious Jew, Jewish leader, and when Christianity came along, he saw it as, a, as heretics. And so he made it his life goal to stamp out Christianity. And he was given power to do this. Not only did he persecute people, he arrested people, even to the point of killing people, simply because they were Jesus followers. So that's Paul's background, okay? Very spiritual, uh, religious person, but a persecutor of Christianity. So we're going to get to his first <laughs> traumatic experience that he tells us about in his life. It's in Acts chapter 9. So he's on his way to Damascus, 150 miles from Jerusalem. He started this persecution in Jerusalem, but he couldn't find enough people to persecute there, so he, he, he's traveling 150 miles, and they didn't have cars back then. So this was quite a trip just to persecute some people that claim to be Christians. So he's on this mission. A light from heavenly, heaven suddenly shone down around him, and he fell to the ground. All right. Commentators don't know exactly what this is. Some people say it was lightning. Some people say he might have even gotten struck by lightning. He falls to the ground. Not only does he fall to the ground, he hears a voice. And this voice says, Saul, Saul, the voice knows his name. We would say it was God. Why are you persecuting my church? Is that what it says? Yeah. So why are you persecuting me? Because when you persecute my children, you're persecuting me. And if you have children, somebody persecutes your children, you take it personally, don't you? And so God takes it personally when people persecute his children. In this case, Saul. Uh, his name was Saul before he got converted. Then he changed his name to Paul. So what's he do next? Well, he picks himself up off the ground. Not only does he have this 
experience with this light or whatever it was. Um, he opens his eyes, he can't, he can't see, he's blind. Now we know the story, but he didn't know what was going to happen. So he was now blinded. Now that's quite a traumatic experience in itself, right? Now those of you who are Jesus followers, I don't know about your conversion experience, mine wasn't this traumatic. <laughs> it's traumatic walking down that aisle to the altar, uh, but that was about as much as it was. But this was a traumatic experience for Saul and being blinded. And we don't, he didn't know how long he's going to be blind. He could have been blind for the rest of his life. It turns out he was only blind for three days. But the amazing thing is, this conversion is so powerful that this person that was persecuting Christians now becomes, begins to preach the gospel. Now, now, normally you don't do that that soon after conversion, but he had a thorough knowledge of the Old Testament, so he understood all the, about the Messiah, so he can tell, well, the, Jesus was this, and the Old Testament says this, or their Bible. And so he was a powerful preacher right from the beginning. And it became more and more powerful with experience. And so the Jews in Damascus, where he was preaching, couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. So he was smarter than the, the other Jewish leaders in, in Damascus. And so, <laughs> he's, yeah, we can't. To say this isn't true. But it got, to, got on their nerves. So after a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. How, how ironic. He was just seeking Christians to kill. Now, the, what do you call it? The person pursuing is now the pers per person being pursued. Now, so, traumatic experience of encounter with God blinded for three days, and now being threatened by the Jewish leaders and running for his life. He started off his Christian experience with quite a bit of trauma, didn't he? And that's just how it started. So I'm going to give you kind of three steps that I see in Paul's life, and it can be helpful in our dealing with our healing with our trauma. So how do we deal? First step is process the pain or acknowledge the pain, or name the pain, admit the pain. So sometimes with trauma, we try and ignore it, we try and block it out, we try to believe it didn't exist, didn't happen. That does not produce healthy healing. So we need to acknowledge it. And what we do sometimes is this. Instead of seeking connection, sharing with others, uh, acknowledging it to ourselves and others, we prioritize protection. We prioritize holding it in. We prioritize not letting people in. You ever try to help somebody and they keep pushing you away? Uh, this is what we do sometimes, right? But the problem is that does not bring healing, does it? I put on your outline. We don't heal in isolation. We don't heal when we keep it in. It's only as we Share it. It's only as we let it out. Um, we're better together. We say that a lot. That's why I encourage you to be in small group or in community uh, relationships with other people. Because the problem is, if you don't do that, you know what you do? You go somewhere else to cope. Usually something destructive, some kind of addiction, alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever it might be. 
Paul didn't do that. Paul processed his pain. He actually shared his pain. In fact, it's pretty amazing. He started these churches and he wrote letters to them, basically half our New Testament. And one of them is the church in Corinth. And in his second letter, we call it his second letter, could have been his third letter, we're not sure. He's, he's dealing with some false teachers and he's using this as for defense or proof. Sounds a little bit like bragging, but I don't think that's what he was doing. But he's um, sharing, sharing his trauma. So here it is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And it's quite extensive as you're going to see. All right, so let's read. Are these other teachers, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more than these false teachers have. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number. I don't know about you, but I've, well, other than my dad whipping me with a belt when I was a child, (laughs) been whipped. Actually, that was probably trauma, come to think about it, right? Um, Whipped times without number and faced death again and again. I don't know about you, but I've never faced a life and death situation. So, he's just beginning to share about his trauma. He goes on. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Now, around Easter, we talk about Jesus being scourged, right, with the 39 lashes, and it you know, tore the flesh off his body, and his organs might have been hanging out. That's one time. Paul, Saul now who's Paul, experienced it five different times. His skin on his body must have been all scarred from all the, the lashes. That's just one thing that happened to him. Three times he was beaten with rods. It's a bruise on top of bruise. Once he was stoned. In fact, the only reason he was able to share this was they left him for dead. You read the account. He probably had a concussion. He was out. They assumed he was dead, and they left him. He comes to, and he goes on. All right. Three times shipwrecked. Can't imagine being shipwrecked once. Three times. One time he spent 24, basically 24 hours adrift in the sea. Trauma on top of trauma. I'm talking about physical trauma, most of these. Um, goes on. I have traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles, the Romans. I've faced dangers in the cities and the deserts and on the seas. I've faced danger from men who claim to believers but are not. Uh, that's always difficult. He goes on. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. Now, most of us can relate to sleepless nights, haven't we? I've been hungry and thirsty, and I've often gone without food. Most of us can't relate to that. We haven't had that kind of trauma. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Trauma, trauma. Most of us, beyond most of our experiences. And this is probably me more than most people can relate to this last part. Besides all this, if that wasn't enough, the daily burden of my concern for all these churches. Of course, my concern is for his churches, but the greater church as well. So he processed, he shared, he poured out his heart, he let people know 
what he had experienced. So that's when we we all need to start. Um, But what do you need to do after that? Well, Paul, earlier in the letter, started out the letter actually talking about this in general terms. And it also leads us to the second second step in our our healing. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, he's addressing the congregation there, about the trouble we went through while we were ministering to other people in other places, in this case, in Asia. Notice how he describes it. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. You ever felt like that? Probably have. Just life seems so difficult so hard, we didn't know if we could endure. In this case, he said, we thought we wouldn't even even live through it. I think the closest thing I can experience to that is when loss of a loved one. Sometimes it feels like you just aren't going to be able to live through it. In fact, in their case, they expected to die. They were threatened. threatened. Their lives were threatened. But, okay, That's their circumstances. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. They came to this place of complete submission, complete dependence. Of course, when your life is threatened, if God doesn't spare it, you you lose it, right? So I put it this way on your outline. Excuse me. Secondly, we need to prayerfully rely on God through the trauma. I'm going to give an example from Paul's life. Another place he talked about having a thorn in his flesh. And we don't know what it was. It was something that really aggravated him. We don't need to jump forward yet. <laughs> um, really aggravated him. Um, to the point where he thought it was hindering his ministry, and he asked, he's going to ask God to take it away, right? To cure it, whatever it might be. Now, I don't know about you if you have or had a thorn in your flesh. Uh, jokingly, hopefully it's not the person sitting next to you. We just celebrated 46 happy years yesterday, so thank you all for your congratulations of marriage. Um, but it's something that you have you wish you didn't have. For example, I shared in the first service, I have arthritic neck. Basically hurts all the time. I wish I didn't have it. Um, I'm actually in therapy right now for it again. <laughs> but uh, physical therapy. Uh, so something. Something that is so aggravating you wish you didn't have. And, you know, aches and pains God gives us. We don't always say it's going to take them away. But this was so severe that that now we can bring up the Scripture. He says in this same letter, three different times I pleaded, I begged with God our Lord to take it away. Now this didn't mean like in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember he prayed and he went back to the disciples and he prayed again, went back to the disciples, they were asleep, he prayed three times that he didn't have to go to the cross. No, no, when it says three times here, it means For a period of time, maybe for days or weeks, he prayed that God would take it away. And God didn't, so he let it go for a year or two maybe. Bothered him again so much that he said, 
begged God for a week or two again to take it away, and God didn't take it away. Maybe a year or two later, it still bothered him so much, he prayed and begged God to take it away, and God didn't take it away. All right. And these are the things we usually ask the question, why? Why am I experiencing this? Why am I dealing with this? Why, why God, haven't you taken it away? And our second question, I think, is this. How can I deal with it? How do I deal with the trauma? How do I deal with the pain or whatever it might be that you, you haven't taken away? The limitation, whatever it might be. So Paul says this is what happened with him. Each time when he pleaded and prayed and begged God to take it away, God answered his prayer in a way. Not the way he asked, but he answered it. He said, my grace is all you need, Paul. In fact, my power works best in weakness. So Paul, this thorn is weakening you so that my power can work better. So he says, okay, in some, that respect then, I am glad and actually boast about this thorn, my weakness. I'm sure he still didn't like it. I don't, none of us do. reason I, I, he said, could say that is because the power of Christ could work through me. So this was the thing that appears to be that he hated the most. So he goes on. He says this. That's why I can actually take pleasure not in my thorn, but in my weaknesses. In the resu- and in the result of the hardship, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then God is strong. I am strong. So what do you do with this trauma? He continually took it to God, took it to God, took it to God. And, excuse me, the cool thing was that he became a, came stronger in some respect on the other side of it. Uh, put on your outline, nothing can change your past. Can't undo your past, probably can't forget it. All right? Which is, well, you don't need to. But God can heal a broken heart. One of my favorite verses, and it's in the psalm, and it addresses this topic. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. I kind of thought about when my kids would be upset or, or whatever when they were small, they'd come and crawl up in your, and snuggle in your lap, right? Those of you who have children. Grandchildren will do that. Right? There's this sense that, 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 that we're closer to God or God's closer to us or God puts his arms around us when we're brokenhearted. And he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So, Paul processed his his pain. He shared his pain. He went to God with it. He relied on God. But the cool thing is the third part of this healing process. Seek to find purpose in our trauma. I notice I said seek to find. Especially initially, normally, we can't find it. We're not able or capable to find it, all right? But over time, in the process, we, you and I, we need to seek to find purpose in our trauma. <clears throat> uh, back to Second Corinthians letter, Paul opens with this, and any of you who have been to a funeral service I've, I've presided over, I start with this, because people at a funeral are doing what? <laughs> they're grieving, they're in trauma. So here it is. 
Paul says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father. Always goes back to God's character, right? He's merciful, he's gracious, he's loving. Notice what he says next, and the source of all comfort. Can't find it in the bottle or the drugs or in sex. The source of all comfort is where? In God the Father. He comforts us in our troubles just because he, he loves us and he wants to? Well, yes and no. Not just for that. He does it for that reason, but not just for that reason. <laughs> so that, so that what? We can comfort others. We can find a purpose. There's a purpose in this pain. So, I'm going through this. I thought about thinking about being married for 46 years. Back in year 13, we were struggling and we went to marriage counseling. It was probably the greatest thing that happened to us as married couple as well as a pastor. I think I've shared this before. When a couple, before when a couple come to me and have marriage problems, I say, hey, just do what the Bible tells you. Well, they probably knew that. That didn't really help them, did that? Um, that's why I, I hesitated going to counseling. I figured I should be able to figure this out, right? Well, I wasn't. So, then I could comfort others with the comfort I got through counseling, right? So, when we're troubled, we're able to give them, other people are troubled, same comfort God has given us. Now, a statement I came across I think is important is this. If you're not okay, if you're grieving or if you're dealing with trauma, it's because you're not okay. Something's happened. Something real has happened. And trauma is real. But not only can you be healed on your outline, but you can be stronger. I can be stronger on the other side. I have a really strong marriage now. Didn't always have it, but I do now. Now, one other point and we'll be finished. Your trauma may or may not have been your fault. Right? Most of the time it's not. But pursuing God for healing is your my responsibility. I've shared this before, but I think it's been a while. Came across this definition of a pastor's job. All right? You know what a pastor's job is? Here it is. To comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So we need to live no longer as victims. Because if we don't deal with our problem, we have to live as victims. We can get beyond that. We can get to a place where we can minister to others. So that verse in Corinthians again, he comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. And when they're in trouble, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. I love this statement. God never wastes a hurt. Find purpose in your pain. Especially want to point out next steps this morning. If you're dealing with trauma, please, please, please go to this uh, U, U version Bible app and not just read the scriptures, but read the devotionals. 
you. Please, I think it can be really helpful to you. Let me pray with you. Uh, Father God, this is not a pleasant topic, but it's real and it's important and it affects all of us. I thank you for Paul's witness testimony. He suffered probably more severe trauma than we can even imagine. Not to belittle ours. And I pray, God, that we will acknowledge it, that we'll share it, we'll seek community for help. That we'll take it to you, obviously. You're the source of all comfort. But if we can get beyond that, we can get victory over that, we can find purpose and meaning. Thank you that you, God, never waste a pain. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.